this is Brett White and welcome to Being Leaders, a podcast exploring the mistakes, the challenges and the stuff ups that have helped shape our leadership journeys. I will be joined by successful, honest and amazing leaders from around the world talking about their fears, their failures and their freakouts. You'll be inspired, encouraged and even a little surprised by the lessons, insights and learnings that these incredible people share. So thanks for joining us and enjoy today's Being Leaders conversation. It's so good to have with us today is our special guest, Julie Alexander. She's the founder and head of Culture Shift and creator of Culture Incorporated. She's a practicing maverick and thought leader on company culture and a business and human performance strategist, consultant, and speaker. You'll also find her walking on fire, jumping off bridges, poles, cliffs, and out of planes, sleeping rough, and wearing gardening gloves all for a good cause. Great to have Julie with us today, and it's great to have you joining us on Being Leaders. All right, well, welcome to the Being Leaders podcast, and it's great to have Julie with us today. Hi, Julie. How are you doing? I'm great, Brett. How are you? I'm doing really well. Glad to be finally out of lockdown and experiencing <laughs> a little, little bit of normality uh, in the southern area of Sydney. Uh, how's this kind of season been for you? Uh, look, it's been full of challenges and full of opportunities. Um, yeah. Things that we never thought was possible before have opened up. So um, it's been a real uh, period of you know, time for introspection, but also time for great learning. So it's been What good. for you in a business context has been the biggest challenge, do you think, um, sort of pivoting around the whole lockdowns and covid Uh, Look, I think at the beginning, everybody was just in shock. And, uh, you know, you've got a business that's humming and it's it's going along and people that you're working with are all going great. And then the next minute it falls off a cliff. It's sort of, you know, 90% of your business dries up overnight. Um, And it was the uncertainty, I think, not knowing how long that was going to last for uh, overall. And then it was just about, okay, how do we deal with this? What can we do next? Um, You know, we can sit there and, and, you know, wish for things to be different. But unless you do something different, they're not going to change. So yeah, right. we then had to look at uh, how could we actually embrace the what was this whole hackneyed phrase that we've got now, which is this new normal. <laughs> That's right. The new normal uh, keeps getting newer all the time, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and what, what is it to say? You know, the only constant is change. Well, death yeah. and taxes as well. But, yeah, you know, right. change, change is, is the thing. And it's all around just finding out, okay, what, what opportunity does this open up for us? Yeah, yeah. So in a nutshell, how would you describe kind of what you do professionally um, in your business? I've got a little catchphrase, which is I make companies great places to work. Um, But essentially uh, what we do is we work with with companies to make sure they're bringing out the best in their people. And so that when you go to work, um, you're able to use and bring all of you to work. Um, use all of your talents and your superpowers <laughs> and uh, and really enjoy that experience. You know, bottom line is we spend so much time uh, in a working environment and if it, it sucks the, you know, juice from you, yep. then that's not a great place to be. So yeah, we, we want to really turn the paradigm on its head and make sure that companies are thinking of their people as an asset rather than a cost awesome. and bringing out the best in everybody. Yeah, that's good. Um, I have a little phrase that I use sometimes that sounds kind of similar as like, you know, love what you do, enjoy who you do it with and do it well. Um, yeah. It's kind of like how I would summarize that kind of Absolutely. experience. So, yeah, no, that's great. Um, so obviously, how long have you been um, running your business? 
this particular one has been around uh, nine, ten years. Yep. Um, I was in corporate life before and many and varied and you could possibly tell by my dodgy accent that I wasn't actually born in Australia. <laughs> so uh, born in the UK originally and yep. then came over to Australia um, about 13 and a half, coming up 14 years ago yeah, wow. to set up a, a new division for a loyalty marketing company that I was working for in the UK, already had a footprint in Sydney and they wanted this new concept brought over. So I did that. And you loved it so much you stayed. Yeah, well, <laughs> see, I backpacked around Australia when I was 20. I hitchhiked. Yeah, okay. And wow. I've probably seen more of Australia than a lot of Australians have. It wouldn't surprise um, me. But then didn't set foot on Australian soil again until sort of 20, 2007. And then I came out proper. I, you know, I came out for five weeks. Uh, we did some business. We were successful. I went home, packed up my house, grabbed my yeah, dog wow. and headed out to Australia um, and actually have yeah, have been here ever since, even yeah. though Australia's been trying to get rid of me in forever. Um, but I finally got they my can't. citizen. I know, I know. I finally got my citizenship two years ago. Yeah, wow, well, good on you. Um, I have my Aussie passport, and guess what? Oh, wow. It's never been used. No, that's right. We <laughs> went into lockdown. We haven't been able so, to travel. <laughs> haven't been able to travel, but it's yeah. it's waiting. It's that's ready. Right. So, it's ready to go. Yeah, yeah it's ready to go. You. Yeah, that's great. So, like, and, and this is this is a really random question, but do you support? An English football club. Or are you, uh, I, are you I, a non soccer often, person? I often get asked that. And I was very irritated when I first came to Australia <laughs> because it's like, what's this soccer? It's football. Yeah, football. Come on. <laughs> I get really confused. But um, look, I have to say that I don't, this is my phrase, I don't do green. Yeah, what does that mean right. is anything that's to do with a pitch uh, <laughs> could be golf, uh, but you know, soccer, rugby, all of those sorts of things. My um, my ex husband, um, God love his soul, uh, is still over in the UK, and he was a fanatical Leeds United supporter, yeah, right. okay. and it was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> um, I not look, I don't mind all of those things as long as I'm seeing it live. Yeah, um, right. but watching it on telly, following all of that sort of stuff, it's yeah, it's it's yeah, not enough. it's not there for me. So, um, <laughs> do I support football or soccer? No, not really. <laughs> the, one of the reasons I asked that question um, is that it helps me understand where someone's from. Because I kind of understand the the UK by where football clubs are. <laughs> right. Well, um, if you need a, a more definitive answer, I'm what they call in the UK a southern southern softy. Yeah, right. which means that I've never been north of the Watford Gap. Well, I have actually. I've, I've travelled up Scotland and I've travelled up, yeah, up yeah. north, but um, I was born uh, in a place called Yule, which is just outside of Epsom in Surrey. Yeah, so sorry. if you've ever heard of, um, you know, the Derby, that's where the horse yeah, race yeah, is, Epsom. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And if you've ever luxuriated in a bath with some mineral salts called Epsom salts, ah, uh, that's where they're from. There you go. So there you go. So 10 years in this little, uh, the business that you're running now, mm. um, and obviously this podcast is all around, you know, talking through some of our fears or failures or things that have uh, challenged us as leaders. So I'm curious to know what's the story or experience that you want to bring and share uh, with us today? It's really quite amusing, isn't it? It goes, so, you know, which which one? It's like, That's well, right. there's lots to choose from, especially as you start getting a little bit further along in your career and your experience. Got a lot to choose from and still making them today. Absolutely. So, you know, I don't want people to think that, you know, we, we're not still making them. No, cause, no. Cause we Ho hopefully are. we're learning 
more we're from learning them from these them. days. We're making better quality mistakes <laughs> Yeah, that's now. right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so not so many, but they're better quality exactly. when we make them. Exactly. Um, look, there's a there's a few um, that have kind of really come to the fore. Um, I do a resilience talk. So, you know, I'm an MC, I'm a speaker, as well as running my business all around company culture. And one that I often share is just a, a, a period of my life where there was these really big things that happened. Yeah. And, um, and they did impact my work life and my experience at work. And so just to give you just, just I'll really summarize it really quickly, because there's another one that I'd like to kind of tack on yeah, to the yeah, end yeah. of that, which is, if you, if you can imagine, and some people on this won't be able to, but imagine the last century and imagine me as a 25-year-old and I got married to this person who was um, really mad about football. <laughs> and it turns out that he wasn't really um, committed to the relationship, let's put it that way. So within 18 months, he'd had an affair yeah, right. and went through this whole period of, of the experience of that relationship breaking up but then falling back together. So it took us a while, but we decided to get back together. And about two weeks after that had happened, it was around Christmas when we got back together. I came home one day, said, oh, I've got some great news. And what's that? He said, oh, well, um, I'm being sent to Bosnia. And the little proceed to add into that is he was actually in the British Army. So it was during the Bosnian War. So he got sent out to Bosnia. And my work actually moved up to central London. I was working for the government, British government. I was up at Whitehall in London. And so I had to move house with him being out uh, out the country. And then I would, every now and again, I would get, he'd get hold of the sat phone and be able to call me. And all I could hear in the background of those calls were bombs dropping. He was in the wow. residency in Sarajevo. Uh, it, was, it was a really, really difficult time. And for a relationship that was kind of quite, you know, we'd only just sort of sorted ourselves mm, out. Mm. And my work turned around to me and said, we don't want you taking phone calls from him. Uh, what? Wow. Like, I never knew if that was the last time I was going to have the opportunity to speak to him. I, yeah. I just didn't know. Yeah. So work weren't terribly supportive when I had gone through that kind of issue of that personal situation of the him having the affair. And then to find that as well, that was really difficult. And then... Um, there's a few other things that happened. He actually came home. He was casivacked out um, and came home in a wheelchair temporarily. Yeah. So I had to uh, deal with that. Um, the day that I took him back to Bryce Norton for him to fly back out, I hadn't been feeling particularly well. And I went around to a girlfriend's house, lifted up my T-shirt and said, what's that? And there was spots all over my stomach. I went down with chicken pox. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> and then my car got stolen. So I came home from London one day on the train and I was like, remember those moments where you're like, I'm sure I parked my car here yeah. somewhere. Where did I park that car? <laughs> where did I park my car? It wasn't that big a car park. <laughs> and, you know, for the, the car had been stolen. So it was this period where there was kind of like just all these big things happening. And it was, mm. I don't know if there was a big neon flashing sign that said, you know, you need to do something. But one day I remember I woke up in tears. And I would try to eat my breakfast. And I don't know if you've ever tried to eat whilst you're in tears. I mean, there's, you know, doesn't work. <laughs> your nose is blocked, like everything's happening. I was in the shower and I just could not stop the tears. Um, and I tried to, I, Brett, this might not be one for you, but have you ever tried to put mascara on no. in tears? <laughs> it's a little bit difficult. I got, I got to, onto the train and I got um, up to London and uh, I needed to walk from, um, 
from Waterloo Station across the bridge. So I was at Festival Hall, needed to walk across. And I just physically couldn't do it. Yeah, wow. I could not go into the office. I just couldn't do it. I was paralyzed. And I actually phoned my boss at the time, a guy called Julian. And I said to him, I'm just really sorry. I just can't do this. And he came over and met me, had a cup of tea, and then sent me home. And I had effectively what they called sort of reactive depression. And it really, and I just had to resign. I just had to leave that job. And I, my, my things that saved me was uh, I borrowed my friend's black Labrador and her two-year-old son and went out into Windsor Great Park and hugged a few trees. Yeah. And that's a short answer for, for what actually happened during that time. Mm. So that, that had a major kind of impact. But then if I fast forward uh, about 10, yeah, 10 more years or so, um, I worked for a, the biggest company nobody's ever heard of. Uh, a company that owned brands like Avis and Budget. They owned NCP car parks in the UK. Um, they owned Howard Johnson Hotels, um, oh, wow. Century 21, really big portfolio of massive brands. And my clients were the likes of Lloyd's TSB, NatWest, Royal Bank of Scotland, Barclays oh, Bank. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, a big, big clients. Like my one one of my clients had 16 million customers. Whoa. So how many people are in Australia? It's like, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Not, much, not many so, more than that. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of my clients. That was the sort of deals that I was yeah, doing. Yeah, wow. And I had a, a new boss. I got to interview him uh, to say, well, did I think this person was going to fit with our team? And I actually turned around and said, actually, I don't think he's the right person. But he had promised that he could get this particular piece of business into the company. Yeah. So they, they brought him in. And it turns out that he was a world-class bully. Wow. So he literally went through everybody in our department and picked people off one by one. I'll give you an example of one of the things that he used to do. He would take us into his office one by one and brief us for a meeting where we had the big guys coming across from the US. And um, we would then get into the meeting with the chairman of the company and we would present what we were doing. One person would do it differently. Why? Because this person had briefed them differently. Yeah, wow. And then he would call them out in front of everybody. So when I first joined that company, it was very entrepreneurial. We all got mm. together. We all planned over donuts on a Friday, you know, how we're going to you know, help the client. If the phone rang, it didn't matter if you were the MD or whoever you were, you picked up the phone. Fast forward to that nine years later in that one company, just this one person came in as a bully and just changed it. Now, having had the experience I had with, going through that sort of experience with my with my partner, my husband, and my company not being overly supportive, and then having this bully, yep. and then my company also were not supportive. Um, he would go around telling everybody, I'm going to sack someone today. Oh, and yeah. then... And then I got pulled into my senior vice president's office and got told that I was giving away almost like state secrets, you know, company secrets over to the competitors. And it wasn't true. It yeah, was wow, okay. just this story that he'd planted. So I didn't want to have a similar reactive depression situation. And I knew that the day that we were supposed to be doing team building as an offsite with all these new people, I just went, you know what? I just can't fake it. So I decided that was it. And I put myself on stress leave um, and just decided that I needed to get out of that situation. So they're the two that I wanted to really kind of bring in. One was a personal thing that impacted my work, and work weren't supportive. And the other was a work situation where work weren't supportive and it it impacted my personal life. Mm. 
um, yeah, both massive mm. challenges to walk through. Um, you know, mm. your, your, the first experience you described, like so many things going against you, you know, happening to you. Um, yeah. you know, it's almost like the, the world imploded around you. Um, and then the second one, interestingly, you know, the, the impact that one person who is toxic or, um, you know, just totally unaware of their how they're in behaviour or possibly aware um, of mm. how their behaviour can impact not just one person but a whole organisation. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know if those experiences <laughs> are the things that kind of led you into actually now working with organisations around culture and leadership um, because of yeah. bad experiences. <laughs> yeah. Look, sometimes you need to know what you don't want yeah. to know what you do want. And I always used to say, you know, I didn't have a career. I had a job because it wasn't like I had a vocation where I was a nurse or a doctor or a vet or, a, you know, knew what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I kept sure. saying, you know, one day I'll know what I want to do when I grow up. And I didn't know when that would be. And having had those experiences, and then I came over to Australia, as I said, um, just coming up for 14 years ago, and started uh, setting up this business. I actually got made redundant overseas for the first time ever. Like I've been made redundant before in my life, but I was made redundant in a foreign country and they pulled my visa. And suddenly I was in this situation where I was like, oh my goodness, I've you know been here, this is my life. I had to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. And that was the point where I really had to sit back and just go, what do I want? What what do I want and what's important to me? So taking the experience that I had, the first thing, which was, you know, the relationship yeah, one, yeah. taking the work, that bad experience. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to see what I really love. And I ended up managing a Kellogg's Nutrigrain Ironman. Yeah, and right. I was thinking, I'll do sports management because yep. it's all about contract negotiations, tick, done that, relationship building, tick, um, you know, all of those things. It was great. And I got around, you know, young men in their 20s and speedos, which is pretty, you know, not it was a, pretty not good. Not a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Um, so that's why I did that for a little while. And it was, it was through a friend's connection. So it wasn't a paid gig, but I volunteered yep. for it. And then I also volunteered. There's an organization in Australia called Business Chicks. Um, they were at the time around five years old. Uh, they had about 48,000 uh, members across Australia. Yeah, and right. it was behind every, every strong woman or every successful woman is another woman. And so it was a group where they would get people like Olivia Newton-John. Uh, they've had like um, Cheerio Pitt, uh, Richard Branson. They would have all yeah, these wow. different people in as speakers. And I volunteered. I was the oldest intern ever. Um, and <laughs> I volunteered to support them because I'd done public relations uh, yep, yep. was one of my roles when I was younger. So I volunteered for them. And this was what happened when I worked with them. Uh, there was a beautiful company. I'd never worked with all women before. Yep. It was unusual. My very first job when I left school was working with 10 men. Yeah, wow. um, and so this was, this was the other, under, yeah, other, other, other the side scale. of the spectrum. <laughs> other end of the scale. But I, uh, I suffered a bereavement. So I had uh, a friend, um, died and I went to the funeral in the morning and then I went into work in the afternoon because I knew I'd feel better yeah because yeah, wow. being in that environment and being with those people I knew that I would feel better yeah wow so that was when it, you know the it's like yes. the penny starts yeah, dropping yeah. dropping yeah. dropping and I had a personal coach at the time and um she was helping me kind of work through what it is that I wanted to do but as a coach 
you can't tell people you have to let mm. them lead to it yeah, and one right. day I just kind of woke up and went I know what I want to do and when I told her she just fell apart laughing and just went oh my god I can't believe finally you <laughs> fell in and you saw what everybody else has seen yeah and it was true like I had spoken to a number of my friends and said like this is what I want to do and they were like yeah <laughs> like it, it made complete sense to them and it, it was makes like as if sense I to everybody else just not to you yet <laughs> I just hadn't seen it it yeah, was there yeah. in front of me and all of the things that had led up to that point so um yes I've learned a lot from those um and it has definitely led me to understand what I don't want and yeah. what I do want yeah what were the sort of key I mean you talked about um you know you talk about resilience um mm. now obviously you know, you've walked through some really hard stuff. What, what are the kind of lessons that you've sort of grabbed hold of or the learnings, you know, around how to be resilient or uh, how to overcome, you know, that, those kind of setbacks uh, in your own kind of personal or kind of leadership journey? Yeah, my resilience talk, I should share it with you one day. I've got sort of nine, um, nine routes to resilience. Yeah, right. um, and I'm a bit quirky. So the first one is jump off a bridge. Yeah. And um, and that doesn't mean it in the bad way, but it suggests that if you go out and challenge yourself physically, when you get to those um, other challenges in your life, like for me, okay, I've done a bungee jump. I went to the, <laughs> and I always mispronounce it, it's the Karawai Bridge, the Karawai Bridge. Anyway, the original AJ Hackett Bridge in New Zealand. And I jumped off that bridge. And so if something comes along in my life, it's COVID. It's like, well, what's... I've jumped off a bridge. Like, <laughs> how hard can this be? Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a thing that I did during one of my courses, which is you shimmy up this 55-foot-high telegraph pole, stand at the top, and then you jump off to grab a trapeze, and then you load down oh, to wow. the ground. You do, you do have a, um, a harness. I'm glad. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, and I thought, wow, I wonder if all that fear that I felt when I did the bungee, whether that was going to come up again. Because trust me, there were there was everything going on in my mind when I did that bungee. I'm going to yep. hit the sides. I'm going to hit the thing. I'm not going to, you know, it was just when the guy said, right, he said, one, two, three. And I was supposed to jump on three. I didn't. I grabbed him and said, you're going to have to talk to me some more. Like it was yeah, like, it was yeah, like yeah, that. I was yeah. so petrified. I eventually, obviously, I did jump. Um, you can see the video. There's this petrified <laughs> look on my face and then this, ah. <laughs> the big um, scream. <laughs> the big scream. That just gets forced out of your lungs. But then when I stood on top of the telegraph pole, it was in Fiji, and I stood at the top and I just went, there's no fear. Yeah, like, wow. where had it gone? Yeah. So okay. I find those are really great measures. You know, jump off bridge. That's one of them. And yeah. uh, one of my other favorite ones, I'll squeeze it in real quick, is called Don't Pee in Your Swimming Pool. Yep. There is no such thing as a smoking section on an aeroplane. Like the smoke is going to go everywhere. If you yeah, pee in the swimming pool, right. it's going to go everywhere. Yeah, that's right. And it, and it talks about, A, keeping guard at the, at the door of your own mind. The thoughts that we have, we have, what, 80,000 negative thoughts yeah, or 80,000 yeah. thoughts in a day, 50,000 of those are negative. Um, so, you know, be careful about what you're putting in your brain. What, what social media are you looking mm, at? Mm, yeah. How are you um, bringing news and things like that into your world? Um, we're often comparing our insides with someone else's very manicured and curated outside. Uh, that's that's what people want us to see, either in person or when we're on social media. Yeah. And every time you take that on board, you're effectively peeing in your own pool. <laughs> but also, who do you who do you surround yourselves with? Do you surround with people who want the best for you, who are uplifting you? Um, 
you know, people that are championing you, challenging you. You don't want people that are just yes people, but you want people that are going to be there for your best self to come out. Yeah. And so that for me is how I determine the sort of pee in your swim pool. As I say, yeah, there's there's nine in total. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just some of them, but that gives you a flavor of just some of the lessons that I pull into that. So walking through those hard seasons, those challenges mm. through fear, uh, and through, you know, as you say, you know, making mistakes along the way, you've learned mm. resilience, you've learned uh, how to sort of keep going, how to, I guess, uh, you know, as we said at the start, how to make mistakes, but make them better. <laughs> yes, make them better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Make yeah. good mistakes. No, that's good. I think, um, I mean, all leaders make mistakes. It's mm. interesting when you were talking about um, the sort of toxic boss, uh, the bully, um how how would you kind of advise someone who's in a situation where they're dealing with a manager a supervisor a leader a boss who you know is like that um mm. do you have any words of wisdom for that person yeah yeah so apart one of from my other leave. Roots, <laughs> yeah apart from leave one look one of my other uh, roots resilience is around um kill the cat with curiosity yeah. and that's all around getting really really curious about what drives humans whether it is six core needs you know a need to feel significant yeah. Yeah. or you know to have certainty or uncertainty um growth connection those sorts of things you know how do we actually brain what uh, how do we how does our brain actually work how do we create our realities mm. um you know the the mind is not a camera we're not capturing reality we're projector we're we're actually creating it as we go um, or understanding all of that, what really motivates people. So one of the tools that I absolutely love is called Fingerprint for Success. And it looks at the 48 different motivations um, at work. And that will be things like your bias for initiation, for taking action versus reflecting. So do I think through doing or do I want to think first before I do? Big picture yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. all those sorts of things. It also tells you how people are, are motivated when it comes to leading people mm, so mm. it looks at mcclellan's um three leadership which is power affiliation and achievement just those sorts of understandings yeah. when someone's a bully or someone's acting out understanding why they might be doing it it could be out of fear yeah. uh nine times out of ten it is yeah. um it's uh i'm not i don't feel good enough it's you know the the two core fears that we have yeah, yeah. don't belong and i'm not good enough understanding all that can at least give you some measure of empathy um, some measure of realizing that it's not about you, it's all in them. It, yeah. It's all the things yeah. that they're yeah. processing. And then also gives you language that helps you to actually either deal with it directly or helps your mental health uh, and your your ability to, to reach out and speak to other people about it as well. Mm, mm. I always say, you know, the worst things can happen to you. At the very least, you're going to find one piece of gold that you could share with someone else that will help save them potentially. Yes. Yeah, or it'll make a really good story down the pub. Like either way, yeah, you, you, right. no, you're winning. <laughs> you, you're winning either way. Yeah, um, <laughs> so from that particular point, um, I would always say, you know, have a really good grasp of yourself. Do as much work as you can to really understand what drives you yeah. and then what drives other people. And then utilize that, but know and set real good, strong boundaries. Yeah. Like with this guy that was in the UK, that was the bully boss. I just went, you know what? I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not playing this game. Mm. And I knew when was enough was enough. 
And I had set myself a thing that said, if I wake up feeling like I've had one of those days again, you know, the wake up with the mascara tears scenario, I'm going to say that that's my line in the sand. And that was with the bully. And I've since utilized that. That day in, in Australia, I don't know who's going to be listening to this. Uh, on the day that I was made redundant in Australia, I was about to put my notice in. Yeah, wow. I had decided that was it. I yep, did yep. not want to be in that environment any longer. And they beat me to it and it was great. Yeah, better for you <laughs> always, in the long run, right? <laughs> it's always better, although they still pulled my visa. But anyway, apart yeah, from Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So, so because I'm a, I'm, I'm a stickler for time. Um, Absolutely. And, I'm, you know, my, my goal around these podcasts to try and keep them around the 30 minutes. Lots of incredible insights that you've shared that I know will be incredibly valuable to people um, who are listening. So just to kind of wrap things up, a couple Mm. of questions that I've sort of been asking everybody. The first one is if you could give one piece of advice to emerging leaders around the world, what would it be? It would definitely be around that understanding people's psychology um, and the chemical reactions and, you know, everything that's going on in the brain. I'd definitely look at that. Um, You know, we get lessons on how to drive a car, but we never get a lesson on how to really drive ourselves unless we're reaching out to people like yourself um, and other experts in the field. So I would do that. It's around setting those those strong boundaries and just knowing there's companies out there that do value you, that you yeah, can yeah, bring your whole right. self to work. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and you're seeking, you're seeking those out. Yeah, great. Um, what about a book that's changed your life that you could recommend to other leaders around the world? Oh, my God. My Kindle <laughs> is stuffed full. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. <laughs> Audible is the same. Look, a couple of authors I can't go past, Simon Sinek yep. um, and Agreed. also Adam Grant. Yes. And for me, from Simon is Leaders Eat Last. And the infinite game, I could just, I'd mm. eat that book. I could just eat so good. Yeah, that. Um, and then, and the Adam Grant, you know, sort of think and tap, think again and give and take. Uh, yeah. they're, they're, that's more than one. I yeah, can't. No, but I like them both too. They're both excellent. Uh, and I've learned yeah. a stack from both of those guys. What's one thing you want to be known for? Ooh, just making, a di- <laughs> making a difference. Yeah, cool. And whether that is through, you know, helping others through my own experiences, whether it's, you know, creating those incredible workplaces that bring out the best in people. And so those companies, you know, I, I want to help people that do good in the world do yeah. even more good. Yes, correct. Um, that type of thing. So, yeah, that that's really it. I just, if anybody remembers me, it would be good that I made a difference to at least one person's life. Yeah. Ah, to many more, I'm sure. Well, thanks so much for making the time to be with us and chat with us on the Being Leaders podcast. It's been awesome to chat with you and connect with you in this way. And as I said, you know, brought a stack of, uh, you know, really powerful insights to the conversation. So I really appreciate you and your input. Well, good. It's been great to be here and to share just a little window into the world (laughs) of, um, yeah. It's a beautiful journey to go on. Um, It's so worthwhile. Thanks, Julie. All good. Thanks, Brett.